Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez Jaimes, and this is Ellas. Hello, welcome back to Ellas, and thank you for joining me once again. Today, I'll be speaking with a super talented Suki Lopez, who is a Cuban-American multi-platform artist. Suki is best known for her role as Nina on HBO Sesame Street. Prior to her television series debut on Sesame Street in 2015, Suki performed as Belle on board the Disney Cruise Line and a national tour of West Side Story. When she's not acting, Suki keeps her creative juices flowing as a freelance graphic designer, choreographer, and acting coach, fueled by passion and café con leche. Her inspiring work doesn't end there. Suki is also the director of Miami Arts Prep, a triple threat program, bringing New York-style Broadway training to Miami, Florida, and offers students access to top dance instructions and classes in many styles. Through the classes are offered at Maria Verdeja School of the Arts, Miami's premier dance studio, Suki and her colleagues are able to provide expanded performance opportunities and training in the performing arts world to our future generations. Please welcome Suki Lopez. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Suki. You know, I'm excited again, once like I said, that you're here on AGS and I'm just, just ready to start this new chapter of 2020 here with you. It's the first interview that I'm recording for the year. So I'm honored to start with you. Thank you. Oh, wow. I'm awesome. I'm honored to be your... I'm honored to be your 2020 premiere. <laughs> be your first in 2020. I love it. I love it. Thank you for having me on AES. Thank you. And I love to start AES with a question of you sharing with us who you are and describing who Suki is, you know, to peeling those layers of being a multi platform artist and just knowing you. Oh, man. That's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I am, you know, first and foremost, a human being. I am Cuban American. So I grew up in Miami, Florida, and that my upbringing here was very much influenced by Cuban culture, by Latin American culture. We have a lot of hefty Cuban culture down here and a very hefty Latino culture in general. We, I grew up with Spanish as my first language and then, and then I transitioned over to English and that became my primary language. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a big part of, of like my base layer mm -hmm. and then start layering on top of that. You know, my, I have a big family and that's always been at the core of like, what's important to me is family and, and friends. That's a big, that's a big one. So, you know, leaving to New York was really difficult for me, but I was also in pursuit of other bigger things. I I've always wanted to push myself. That came from my family too. They're all, you know, they're, they're go-getters. So yeah, there, there's that layer. There's the creative layer, which my, my mom was a ballerina. She was a professional with Miami city ballet. Uh, my dad is a huge advocate for the arts. He took me to my first Broadway show in New York. My grandmother had us always had us learn. She wanted us to be like the Cuban Von Trapp family from the sound of music. And so she always brought the music into our family and she plays the piano and the guitar. And so there's always lots of layers of artistic, just artistic um, appreciation and support. And everybody was always 
really interested in the arts. And so I grew up with a very big background in, Mm -hmm. in everything. And I, I mean, even like just an appreciation for everything that is anything design related, anything um, aesthetic, anything creative at all. And there's, I know there's, there's a lot of people that don't put a lot of emphasis on it Mm -hmm. these days, but I, you know, and like, it's a soft skill they say, but I think it's the one thing that can't be automated by computers, you know, one thing that you can't replicate and ideas are the one thing that, 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 you know, something can't come up with, like an algorithm can't come up with a new idea. So I think that that is a huge asset that my parents gave me of like this, like creative thinking and always pushing me to be a creative thinker and, and to pursue many creative endeavors. So when was that moment, you know, you've always been surrounded by arts, by a creative family that was always, you know, basically feeding you that hunger of being surrounded by the creative arts. But when was that moment when you said, I actually don't want to be a viewer. I want to be a participant in this sector, in this culture, arts, performing scene. And I want to do this for the rest of my life. When was that big decision that you took? Or was it eventually once you were out of college and, you know, opportunities came or how was it like? You know, it was, it was always there. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a very young age, I remember, my mother has this studio, Maria Verde School of the Arts is her dance studio that she started over 30 years ago. So I grew up dancing there and we always had an end of the year performance at a big, beautiful theater in downtown Miami. And I, Loved it every time. I I loved being on stage. I loved performing. I loved telling stories. And I had it, I had the vehicle of dance to do that with, but I didn't really realize that you could do that with a lot of other things too. So it was more of, it was less of not, like I already knew that I wanted to be a performer. I just didn't know how many vehicles there were to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And, and as I, as I grew and as I, you know, started looking into college programs and things like that, that's when I really realized, Oh, wow. I, I want to be a singer. I want to, I want to do all of it. I want to use everything I have, every tool I have to tell stories. And when was that moment when, because you started, you did the national tour of West side story, you know, all over the U S and how were those, you know, first, steps of accomplishing that goal that big career goal of like you developing your craft and you obviously knew that there was like many vehicles for the performing arts scene but how was it you focusing to reach that goal or was it obviously again something that naturally came and you know you took advantage of the opportunities that came your way it was definitely a a taking advantage of the opportunities that came my way but I I knew I had these skills. I knew I was, I knew I was good at dancing. I knew I I was a good singer and I knew my desire to tell stories would make me a decent actor at least. (laughs) So I, acting was something that I was the least comfortable in originally, but I didn't realize that because of the work that I had done through dance and because of the work that I had done through singing, I actually had more training than I thought I did in acting. So it was more about getting out of my own head and being like, no, you are good at this. So that was definitely a, an obstacle at the beginning in during the training process. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I struggled to let myself be a good actor. I struggled to say, no, I'm a good actor. I can, I can do this. 
because I was so used to the dance training that took me 20 years to build. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how could I be a decent actor if I've only done it for, you know, this much time compared to the 20 years that I've put into dance? You, you say that you struggled, you know, admitting or saying out loud that you were a great actor. And how, how were you able to push that struggle away and just be confident in yourself for the craft, I, that, the talent that you have? I still struggle with that. I, I feel like that's a hard, it's a hard thing to say. Like, I'm a great, whatever. Like, you know, anything that you do, like, I'm like, I think I do it. What I think what I do, I do well, mm-hmm. but it's hard to say that I'm great at it. You know, like even now I've just owned the fact that I know what I'm doing and I do my job. I put all of my energy in and I, I prepare everything I can and I come in ready to do my job. So that is to me that in order to give myself that alleviation, that's what I go for. Of like that, that means that I'm doing a good job. That means that I'm doing good work, whether or not somebody thinks it's great or somebody thinks it's terrible. doesn't matter because I, I have put this into it. So you can have an opinion one way or another, but at the end of the day, you're going to go home with how you feel about the work that you did. Exactly. And another struggle I would say, going back to the struggling thing, cause it just came up in my head. <laughs> One of the main struggles for me getting into the industry was being, being able to audition for Latina roles. People told me that I didn't look Latina. enough and that I didn't have, I didn't seem Latina. I didn't have, I, I mean, cause I went through training to literally get, eliminate my accent. So I, you know, I had to learn how to turn it on and off. Now that I'm back in Miami, it's kind of back and it's like a little like, you know, there's things that I say that you can hear. But when I was in New York, I was very specific about how I would say things and speak because you didn't want to lose opportunities because of one thing or another. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted to represent my culture. I wanted to be, you know, in those Latina roles. And it was, it was always difficult to get the casting people to see me as Latina. I would have to curl my hair, wear the hoops, do all the things. I would like turn, like do my eyebrows up, do my my eye makeup up, like basically like look the stereotype. Yeah, I had to dress myself up in the stereotype for people to see that I was Latina. Do you still struggle with those with that same obstacle now that you had this long career? Long career, like do you still struggle to like get that Latina role or? No, I don't, I I don't think I struggle with it as much anymore because now more people know. And now it's, I'm I'm so specifically Latina, you know, that, and I represent, I've done shows that have, you know, I have the West Side Story in my background, which is, you know, the, the Sharks against the Jets, that's Puerto Rico, you know, so people start to see it now that I have, that somebody else has said, yes, we think she's Latina. You know, so it's like once you have people backing you and, you know, and then I got cast as Nina on Sesame Street, you know, the Latina representative on Sesame Street. So then, you know, you have those things and then all automatically people are like, oh, yeah, 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 she's Latina. But outside of that, like before when I had nothing on my resume to prove that I was the way I looked, it wasn't enough to be able to speak Spanish fluently. It was, you know, you have to do it up. You have to look like the, what people expect the stereotype to be. And, you know, you, while you were doing these roles and going to castings and not being Latina enough, having some person that I imagine maybe wasn't even Latino consider if you were Latina enough, you know, 
how were you able to like go through with that and just, just push that aside and just, you know, pull that power of going to another casting and like just deepening that stereotype of what white people and other people think that Latinos are supposed to look like and act like. I mean, I was really, I didn't want to, to like buy into the stereotype. I didn't want to be the stereotype, Mm -hmm. but I realized that if I wanted to play the role and if I wanted to bring what I, my truth to a role and be authentic then I needed to get the role first. So I was like, you know what? Suck it up, curl your hair, (laughs) put on the hoops, wear the dark lipstick, you know, fill in your eyebrows and, and just get through the door so that you can be the person in the room making the choice to be the other type of Latina that nobody has seen yet because nobody will let that happen. Yeah. So I think it, and it takes it sometimes takes doing the thing that you don't really want to do and that like, you know, buying into the stereotype or like playing into the stereotype to give yourself the opportunity to have that moment when it comes mm-hmm. so, the role when you have. So I had to do that for several, you know, for several before I got. And then I, I think you were doing that in order, in order to have the opportunity to come to your life. And that's when, you know, I imagine West Side Story came. And mm-hmm. can you share that process with us, that journey of going into the casting and just where, was in that moment where you're like, I have to prove again that I'm Latina for Latina enough for this role. And how was it able to getting accepted, getting the role and just touring, you know, through the nation that must've been important. How old were you when that happened? Well, so West Side Story was like my dream show. I wanted like, of all the Broadway shows, I was like, I need to do West Side Story. If there's any one show that I need to do, it's West Side Story. So I was so, you know, I was, I had auditioned for it several times. You know, this was like maybe like the third time going back in or fourth. So this was for the last national tour that went out around that time. And you had to do several, I mean, I went in for several things. I had been in for some other show from Mamma Mia or something. And the casting director brought me in for West Side Story. So they saw me there and they were like, mm, let's, let's have her come in for West Side Story. Cause I, you know, did the Latina thing. I, this, this was when I took the moment. This was after I came back from my Disney contract that I was like, you know what? I need to just lean in. So I, le- I leaned in, I went, I showed up with my, my curly hair. I showed up with the hoops and I was like, I'm just going to do it because I, I don't want to lose the opportunity because I refuse to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went for it. And it worked and I got through the dance call. I got my callbacks. And then finally in the room, I got the opportunity to use my Spanish because they were doing the production where it's, where they have Spanish speaking in the text. So they added, I think it was Lin-Manuel Miranda did some of the translations and I think it was about 30, like 20 or 30% was in Spanish. Oh, wow. So I read some lines in Spanish and I was helping people in the audition room who didn't know Spanish. And I was like, you know what? Good karma. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you how to pronounce this. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, and then I got, I got to go into the room and then they realized, oh, she's fluent and she understands this. And that superseded the idea of me needing to look a certain way because they saw it. 
They saw I was comfortable speaking the language. I was comfortable sort of showing my culture off in, in a way through that text. And I mean, Puerto Ricans and Cubans are pretty close. So I had totally, like I was, felt very comfortable in that environment, in that show. And it is a, it's a, it's a classic story, you know, it's, it's love conquers all, you know, regardless of, of where you come from and, you know, and it's still, you know, there's, there's those undertones of race and, and, you know, the problems that we still deal with today. So I, it's a very, it was a very powerful show to be a part of very emotional days all the time because you're telling this super intense story with a major arc. And I got to understudy Anita who, you know, like has an amazing journey through that show. I mean, she has to deal with, you know, Bernardo passing away and, but she's still up. She wants to help Maria and help her through this moment. So those were amazing roles to be able to play. And then getting to dance in America was like the most fun because that's like the top Latina dance number in like any Broadway show. So I was like, yes, I get to do America. You know, that was the biggest, one of the biggest wins while you were in West Side Story. And while you were doing the production, you were in your early 20s, you know, you were touring around the world. And you mentioned before, it must have been, you're very family oriented. So it must have been tough. Not being with your family 24 seven and just focusing on your craft, you know, performing mostly what, every day, two times a day, maybe perhaps. What were those, you know, bumps and obstacles that you were facing every day that now you look back and you're like, wow, like I overcame them and now I'm a better artist because of that. I mean, being away from family was very hard. Was, I mean, and I was, I was already living in New York and then on top of that, I was traveling. So I had been away for a while and we, you know, family's important. So I wanted to be at all the birthdays and the weddings and the baby showers and the communions. And, you know, everybody has, you know, you're, you're close to everybody. I'm close to everybody in my family. So, and those people I'm all close to. So it was hard to not be around for those events, but I knew what I was, I knew what I was giving up wasn't going to be something that I gave up forever. I always knew that I wanted to come back to Miami, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I was like, I, will not let myself, like, I feel like I'll let myself down if I don't try. So I needed to do it. And I'm glad I did it because yes, it was hard, but at the end of the day, and now I'm back and I still have a good relationship with them. They were all very supportive and, and they're, um, you know, it's like I never left. (laughs) So, you know, luckily I, I didn't lose anyone. I just, you know, I just gained a lot of really phenomenal experiences and I, a lot of, of, training because I mean being on tour you gotta you learn so much about yourself about your stamina as like I learned I was like I have to turn off at some point because you're feeling all day if you're traveling with your cast or you know you're you're you know anywhere you're just I had to turn I was turned on all the time so I was so much I was using so much energy all the time and I realized I have to dial back and figure out places where I can pull back and just give me some me time so that I can recharge and then use that towards the performance. Because if not, I'm spent by the time I get there. So that was an interesting, you know, thing I had to learn. And then just being able to keep the story fresh every day, because you're doing the same thing. You're constantly, you know, doing the same exact story, saying the same exact lines, and it has to feel like you're living it every night. So 
you know, and, and, and being able to get to such a dark place because you have to really hate people on the other side. Like you got to hate those people. And I love those people because we're touring with each other. We see each other every day and they're amazing. And they get to a place where you, you hate them. Like you, like you have to feel that like rage. Cause I mean, even in the dance at the gym, you're like on fire, literally. Like it's there, there's, I mean, I think there's a section in the song where you say baila con fuego. And like, I mean, that's literally like you're on fire with rage. So, I mean, trying to coax up that energy, it's like, where do you pull that from? You know, how do you, how do you hate someone you love? (laughs) How do you pull that, you know, fire in that? Because, you know, our listeners, our listeners who want to be actors and maybe they might be struggling with like, how do they pull that anger, that fire? How did you pull that? I mean, there's, there's a, an acting technique called substitution that if you've taken an acting class, it's probably been a, a word that's thrown around, but you, I mean, you find something that you do hate and you put it in that, in its place, you know? So I mean, part of where I got my rage for that would be more like, I can't believe the world is still dealing with this, you know? So I would be like, I would enrage myself with that. Like, why are we so terrible to each other? You know? And, and let that be the fuel for the rage, even though obviously it's not, it's coming out in a different way and it's sort of, you know, supposed to look like the thing that I don't want it to be, but that's the rage. I mean, I had to use something that made me that upset and that, you know, or that got me to that place where I was like ready to just ah! leash out. Yeah. yeah. And what were those, you know, steps that you took in order to turn off and just, not be on in terms of like acting and singing and dancing and because now you're obviously back at you're 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 in between New York and Miami Sesame Street and in Miami arts prep so now how was it like just turning off and just being you and being Suki and enjoying your time I mean I feel like the thing that that unfortunately it took me like having a breakdown like literally a mental and physical breakdown on tour to understand that that's what I needed because I I was like I'm okay I'm not sick I'm not you know I have to keep going if I'm 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 fit I'm okay I'm capable of doing this but my literally my legs were giving out on me I was falling left and right for no reason I had nothing wrong with me I had nothing broken nothing was nothing was physically wrong but I was exhausted it was just too much. And so it was one day that it was just, I, my, I snapped and I started hyperventilating out of nowhere for no reason. <laughs> I was like, I'm crazy. This is crazy. But I realized it, it. And then that was the realization of like, I need to give myself some time. It's not, I, it, I don't need to be broken. I don't need to be hurt. I don't need to be sick. You know, I just, I need to give myself time or else I don't, I can't do my work well. So that was, that was a, a really, you know, big realization. And now that's something that I'm like, I don't need, I don't need to repeat that. I don't need to work myself into the ground every time just because I can. I don't need to prove anything to anyone. If I want to do a good job, I need to give myself days of rest. I need to find balance because if you keep going at full speed, you're bound to crash or you're bound to just fall over at some point. So, you know, it was, it was that moment that has let me always be aware of when I need time to step back and just say, I need to take a second for me 
to recharge and just get my balance back. Wow. And I'm so sorry that, you know, you went through that and that must've been really scary that going through that breakdown and just, but also the strength that you had in realizing that you couldn't go through that again, that you needed to think of yourself first and of your health first and just, just taking care of yourself so you could give your all to your public, to your, to you and to your, to your craft. Yeah. I think one thing that someone said, it's, I, if someone in, in my training, I never understood it until that moment happened. It was like, no one's going to take care of you. Like you take care of you. So you have to be, and, and you have to be aware of when you need stuff like that. You, so uh, that was a big, that was a big moment for me. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I got to take care of me when I need to take care of me. And nobody's going to take care of me if I don't take care of me. So it was that moment of like, I'm an adult. I have to decide when I take care of me and I'm deciding now I'm taking care of me. That's awesome. And I think our listeners can, from any walks of life can take definitely take this and into account and just remind themselves and myself to just, we need a break in order to give our, you know, our best and what we love and we're passionate about. And after being on West Side Story and having that moment in your career, that you know, wonderful moment in your career, can you share with us one opportunity of being Nina on Sesame Street, you know, came your way and how was, how were you feeling when, you know, you had those, the script and, you know, you were in the casting call and like just doing it. How was that like? So I, there was a, there was actually a, like a lull between when I came back from West Side Story and I booked Sesame Street, I had no idea it was coming. I didn't, I, that it, um, I had never planned on being on TV. You know, I was like, cool, if I get an audition, great. But it was never something that was like, I must be on TV, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and actually my sister had gotten engaged while I was on tour. And so I had sort of decided again with this mindset of like, you know, me has to come first sometimes. And I was like, I really want to be around for, for these events. I want to be, you know, so I, you know, maybe I step back a little bit and take what's, take the smaller contracts and st- take what's around. So I actually transferred my credits and went to the new school and started taking classes at the new school to be productive in a different way. Started, you know, kind of taking more design courses and, and finishing out my, my degree, which is something I always wanted to do with the knowledge that I, I, it would be more difficult to take contracts because I was being very specific about what events I wanted to participate in for my sister's wedding. So, and and that was a non-negotiable thing for me. So I said, I turned a lot of things down. I turned a tour down. I turned some other, you know, West Side Stories here and there at at regional theaters because they they weren't going to let me be at my sister's engagement party or they weren't going to let me be at her bridal shower. And I was like, nope, maid of honor. Sorry, can't do that. (laughs) So finally, right before her wedding, literally right before her wedding, I got a call from my agent. He was like, oh, I have this audition for Sesame Street. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. That sounds like fun. Elmo, I know him. Um, so I went, I had my husband help me out or no, no, it was boyfriend at the time. He was helping me the voice. And I was like, please, we can't, we can't do this. You need to use your regular voice. This is too much. (laughs) The Elmo voice was not working for me. It's like, uh, so what I I went to the audition and I didn't expect anything of it. Cause you know, I had all this stuff for my sister's wedding on my mind. So then literally I had my flight ready to go down for her rehearsal dinner and the whole wedding weekend. And I got a call saying that I had a call back and 
I had already booked a flight. So it was like the day after I booked the flight. It was the day of my sister's rehearsal dinner. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to go. <laughs> and then I talked to my mom and my mom was like, no, you have to go talk to them. She's like, talk to them first. And they're like, no, they're only seeing five girls. And the casting director really wants you to be there. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, I, we discussed it. My mom was like, I'm buying you a ticket. Just I'm switch, just switch your flight. I'm buying you a ticket for, for Thursday. I had my ticket on Wednesday. She's like, I'm buying you a ticket for Thursday. Just go. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run from the audition to the airport. Thank God. Miami's only two and a half hours away from New York. So I was like, if I'm the first one, I can make it. So I went to the callback and I did my audition. I had so much fun because all I was thinking about was I need to make this flight. So who cares how this goes? I just need to get on a plane and make it to my sister's wedding. So that's fine. So I had, I literally went in a carry on. I took my carry on, left it in the holding room, did my audition, had a blast, you know, got to work with a Muppet for the first time. So that was like, Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> I liked it. You know, we had to improv a little bit. It was hilarious. All of the Muppeteers are like amazing comedian improv geniuses. So I had a blast. And then I went home, you know, I made it for the rehearsal dinner. I celebrated my sister's wedding. We did the whole thing. And I'm having lunch with my, with my dad and my stepmom and my little sister. And I get a call and literally like we're right before going to the airport to go back to New York. And they're like, and my agent was like, get your butt back over here. You booked Sesame street. <laughs> I was like, ah! You know, so it was really nice to get that call in front of my family. And I, you know, I freaked out and my little sister was like eight years old at the time, or maybe even younger, maybe like even seven. So she was like, ah! she was freaking out. So we were all really excited. And then it was like, it was such an emotional weekend. Cause I, you know, I, I saw my sister was like my best friend get married and we had the best time. We were there till like five o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, not, I'm like still like not sleeping. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, okay. You know, so that was really exciting. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that must've been so amazing. And it's great to know that even you, like you chose your time for yourself and for your family, but you still got that role. Yeah. Know? It still works out. It's funny how that works. It's like, it's still sometimes it, you, I, the reason I didn't want to do that kind of stuff before was like, cause I don't want to miss an opportunity, but the opportunities that are meant for you are still going to be there. You know, I, I feel that, I mean, I, I believe that those opportunities, if you're, if you're still open to them, they're still open to you. But yeah, it, it, it all worked out at the end, in the end. So I, I'm very, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen unless it's meant to. Yes. Very well said. And I am a true believer of that. Like the opportunities that are meant for you are for you. And it doesn't matter if, you know, a tornado comes by, like it will be for you. Like, and for listeners that are not aware and maybe are a little bit older and don't know who Nina is. Um, she's a young woman paying her way through college, working at the neighborhood bike shop and laundromat. And it's also the babysitter of Elmo. 2015, your first episode was taking care of Elmo and his friend who had like this very toothbrush. Yeah, Abby and Abby. Yeah, having a slumber party and I had to take them through their nighttime routine. <laughs> was that the first, oh sorry, was that the first episode that you did or was it 
Was it like maybe the third and they chose that to be the first? That was actually the second. Ep- there was my second day. That episode was my second day. My first day was the what I love about art episode, which was perfect for me because I was like, I love art. You must have been like so excited and just like thrilled. And, you know, you were in the sets of Sesame Street. Can you walk us through that of being in that moment and just taking it all in and seeing the Muppets and you know, you're an actor, obviously you act with, a, with human beings. Yeah. What was it? And you said it was fun you know, being improvising with, with these on puppeteers. And how was it like acting with these puppets and just doing your lines? And, and, and I know that I've read that, you know, things changed constantly. You know, you memorized the script and then they, you know, gave you fresh, a new script and like everything had changed. Like, how were you able to just like bounce back and, you know, give your all? I mean, that's, I, I attribute, I attribute the being like quick on my feet to the dance training, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I am so, I was so used to just like, and now you have to do this, go. And I was like, okay, great. So <laughs> luckily like that getting things switched up on me at the last minute is something that I'm almost comfortable with. It's always nerve wracking, but I know I can do it. I know I can deal with whatever you get, you get thrown at me. And I know that it's part of the process. Like that's how things get made. Things get switched and changed and, and you have to roll with it to, to be good. You know, that's part of it. But yeah, the first day on Sesame Street was really awesome. I mean, obviously you, I walked in and I'm on Sesame Street. I see, you know, the one, two, three steps, the laundromat, the Hooper store. I walked in, I looked through all through Hooper store. I was checking out all the boxes and all of them have like hilarious things on them. Like, and, and, you know, cause none of them are real brands. They're just all made up Sesame Street brands. And they have like, the diapers, I think, oh, what are the diapers called? There's like, they're called something like poopers or something like silly. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. It's more clever than that. But uh, there's like a cereal called UFOs. And like, they're all like made up. And it's really fun. I, I, mean, I wish I could remember everything that's in there right now because all, every single one is super clever. So I had a, a, I have a very special love for the art department on Sesame Street because they always come up with these amazing things. Like, you know, filling Hooper store with all of these like brands that make no sense, but also are hilarious. And, and any like kid made prop that there's like, it's supposed to look like Elmo and his friends, like made this thing or, and, and they, they build these, like, you know, a bus out of cardboard that looks like it was painted by kids, but it's amazing. Or they build like this dragon that was made out of paper cups and popcorn bins and post-its and like, and stuff that you can make at home. It's really cool. It's just like, they're really good at it. So, <laughs> but I guess my first day, my first day, they, uh, they threw, it was that art thing. And they, they literally threw a box of art supplies over my head and everybody was wearing hard hats except for me. So I was like, should I be worried? <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. I was like, I guess this is normal. This is fine. This is cool. And they, you know, they just threw it over like from a from pretty high rained art supplies um but like silly crazy things like that were happening on the first day and I was like oh I know I'm good it's like I think I'm gonna like it here you know to quote Annie <laughs> so super super fun all the puppeteers actors and, and cameramen and producers everybody was super friendly everybody was super welcoming and that's really nice to, to to get from a group of people that have been together for you know some of them have been there for 40 years some of them have been for 45 20 25 10 you know everything they've been there forever 
So it was really nice to be opened, like to feel like the, the arms were open, even though this is such a tight knit group of people that have been working together for so long. So you've been filming Sesame Street since 2015. And can you share with us, you know, the biggest highlights, who have been your favorite guests, and just those, you know, learning curves that have made you be a better artist because of them? So highlights, gosh, there's, I mean, I feel like the whole thing has been a highlight. <laughs> it's everybody there. And I've said this before, but everybody there has so much heart. Like everybody really, truly cares about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't, nobody works there because they want to be famous, you know, or because they want to like make money, you know, they're there because they believe in, you know, educating children and, and promoting creative thinking and learning and, and, you know, and diversity and, and care, you know, being kind to each other, like the things that seem so simple, but we were still really need, you know? So, you know, some of the highlights I guess have been being able to go out with Sesame street into the world and, and do some of the live events and see the real audience. Cause sometimes you're separated Obviously, like you feel, you don't. Have, we don't have kids on set watching us. It's not a live audience, so you know. And I didn't. I don't have kids right now yet, <laughs> but <laughs> I will. <laughs> but you, you know, so I I didn't know the audience. So I being able to go out and to do these live events with Sesame Street and meet the, meet our audience was really special and see wow they're really like engaged with us and they they're picking up what we're putting down like they're on top of it they're they're with it they're smart so that's really cool and then the some of the highlights I guess are random things too like I get these videos from friends and family and like even random people on Instagram of just like their kids you know like dancing to like an episode of you know one of the shows or just like completely enthralled in in an episode and they're you know like oh dude, she loves Nina she's so excited she loves learning you know some Spanish words or you know she loves she just, she loves your dance moves. She loves that this song or he loves this song. And I'm so happy that you are on the show. And so th- those things I was like, I, you know, I never expected any of that, but I was really nice. Like, it's nice to hear that. And it's nice to see the kids responding well. Mm-hmm. The 50th anniversary <laughs> that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, ooh, ooh, dreamboat, dreamboat. Yes, I love him. <laughs> My husband, I was like, man, I'm sorry, but like, he's really cute. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to look him in the eyes. <laughs> he's just so cute. <laughs> and he had his family there with him and his kids with him. And he like, he's, you know, you could just tell he's a nice guy. He's just a nice guy, which makes it even worse because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just so fun. He like, we, we, you know, got to sing these. I got to sing with Nora Jones, who was also super cool. I'm singing like literally like sitting on the piano, watching her play, singing a tune. I was like, this is, this is great. This is never going to happen again. <laughs> so lots of cool moments like that where I was like, what is my life? <laughs> and definitely, I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, and getting to, I, I got to go to Carol Spinney's house, who was the Big Bird, you know, original Big Bird. He passed away this year, which was a big, you know, loss for everybody at Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to go to his house and I got to meet, you know, I got to meet his wife. And I mean, well, I, I knew her pretty well. I guess at this, I know her pretty well at this point. <laughs> um, but Debbie and, and 
go to their their house and see he he like did all of these like paintings um so there's like pictures of big bird like under the ocean and and paintings of big bird like flying over like meadows and and like amazing stuff and pictures of like oscar and big bird in a air in a hot air balloon but like he would just draw these beautiful like portraits of of big bird and oscar like for fun and he's really good at it (laughs) so he was like you know we got to see those and and yeah he he was such a low-key famous guy (laughs) and you know you mentioned that obviously there's no children while you're doing sesame street but how does it feel to be to be providing a great representation and a different representation of a Latina mujer on American TV and seeing when you see these children and they come up to you and when your friends, friend, um, children come up to you, how does it feel like? I mean, it's doing our, our culture justice and it's really, it's so broad, right? Being like mm-hmm. Latino Americano is like everything, you know, from Mexican, Nicaraguense, Hondureño, uh, Cubano, Puerto Rican, and that's, you're t- technically American, but there's the culture, you know, and like, it, there's, there's so many different cultures that were, that is encompassed by that term Latina. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the idea of trying to represent all of it is a little, t- it's scary. It's, it's scary. <laughs> um, but then I, you know, I, t- I have to remind myself, I'm like, I'm, I don't have to be all of those. I can be honest and I can be who I am. You know, I, I am Latina. I grew up Latina and I'm Cuban American. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, you know, the most honest version of me that I can be. And I'm not going to try and put anything on. Unlike, you know, the audition world that I had to do. I had to try to put things on and make myself Latina. Like I'm not going to make myself anything that I'm not because I am Latina enough as I am now. And I, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, I come across as proud of who I am and proud of my culture and utilize my culture in, in whatever way I can and advocate for my culture behind the scenes. You know, there, I am who I am and, and they hired me because of what I brought to the table and they're happy with what I do and that works. And, you know, luckily they also are very open to me adding Spanish words here and there. So, you know, if, I, if, they, if they're, we're counting and I'm like, do you mind if I say this in Spanish? Uh, and they're always like, yeah, why not? Sure, go for it. And as long as it, you know, but then I have to make sure that I'm not messing with the story because at the end of the day, we want them to learn. And there are lessons in there that research goes out of their way, you know, for literally there's so much research that goes into every episode for the curriculum just to make sure that the kids are learning the curriculum in that script that I don't want to, I don't want to go and mess that up. So I have to be very careful and, and I can only put it in, you know, here and there, I w- wish I could do more, but I, I get nervous that, that I'm going to make it difficult for, you know, them to, to p- take away the, the true lesson of that, of that episode. So, you know, I put my, my olas and my, my hasta luegos and, you know, my listo and that kind of stuff in there as much as I can. And, and I've never, I've never been told not to, I've never been told to do less. So, you know, I keep trying to add more <laughs> because I think it's good. I think it's important to, to be proud of being bilingual. I think it's a very helpful thing. And I, I think it, it's an, just a, another way of, of showing like, yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm cool with this. I, I can flip back and forth because I'm both. Yep. It doesn't take away from the other thing. It adds, it only adds to the other thing. Exactly. And we, we talked about Sesame Street and let's, let's not talk about Miami Arts Prep. I think that's such an amazing work, what you're doing and, you know, teaching and providing, developing the talent and the craft in this young generation of students are that want to take that same artistic path as you, as that you had. Can you share with us what Miami Arts Prep has to offer to their students and what does it take for students to be part of that curriculum? I started it, yeah, like you said, because I wanted to give kids the, the opportunity that I had. And I just, I have so, I picked up so much information along the way and I've grabbed so much experience that I, I want to be able to give it back. And this seems like a good way to do it by, you know, offering classes and, and coaching and all this stuff. So my main, my main thing is, you know, I have classes going that are musical theater classes where I'm, we're putting all, all the things together. Cause that was my main thing, put them all together in a place where I could learn how to do all three together. So, you know, you always have opportunities in shows to do all three, but there's nowhere to really like hone in on the techniques or the, the opportunities to try different things, to make different choices. So that's what I like to do in my, in my musical theater classes. And I like to give opportunities to try on different characters, to work through movement, to build character. So t- coming at it from the other end versus, you know, coming at it from the acting side, coming at it from the dancing side. Mm-hmm. And then layering on those things and meshing them together in a class. And so that's that I'm offering for kids as, as young as like eight year, seven and eight years old and as old as high school. And then the other layer of that is that I'm doing college prep and audition prep for, for obviously college and, but also those magnet programs and high schools that are specialized because getting, getting your foot in on on those right paths mm-hmm. for you you know in whatever time that is because you you can you can not have gone to a magnet school not have gone to a specialized high school and still decide that you want to go to college for this you know so th- i want to give everybody the opportunity to to catch up and to get to where get their their ducks in a row right grab everything that they need to be prepared to make that move and for some people, it's different than others, and that's okay. And that I want to, I just want to make sure that there's somewhere that they can go where they can gather their material, work on their material, have someone coach them and tell them, you know, maybe this is a better path for you. Maybe this is a better way for you to go. You know, work on this more. You know, any anything, and then just understanding who they are as people, because that's another part of the process. Especially if you're going to college, they don't want to see they're not casting a show. They're trying to see who's the right fit for their program. So you have to show you. So that's a whole other ball game of like, what is going to show me off? That's hard. If you don't know what you do well. Right. So, and so that's basically, that's, that's another big piece of it where I, I hope that one eventually filters into the other right now. They're almost two separate entities performing at the same time. I have my classes going on one so right now they're functioning, it's functioning as two different entities almost. It's the, the classes in the class format. And then there's the, 
private coaching section mm -hmm. where I help kids get into the, those, you know, programs that they're interested in, summer programs or, and even college. So I'm, I'm very excited because I got my first kid into college, got into NYU. So thank you. I, I was very excited that, you know, he, he made it, he did, he's been working really hard. You know, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to see that I was a help towards that. He, he did the work on his own, you know, let's be clear. But <laughs> he worked, were, he worked his butt off to make sure that, that happened. but I facilitated. Yeah. You, you provided him the tools and just motivated him to not quit and just to have that confidence and to continue on his goal and accomplish it. I think it's also as, as a coach, especially somebody, somebody who's looking to do it this professionally, it's the, it's, I feel like it's my job to also let people know what they're getting themselves into. Because especially if like you're from Miami, I had no idea. I'm like, you're going to be away from your family. You're not going to be at Noche Buena. You're not going to be at every wedding. You have to know what you're giving up. You have to know that there is, a, there's a big sacrifice to doing what you're doing. And it, it is a little selfish and you have to be okay with that because it takes a lot of self-improvement and self work and, and dedication to this one thing to make sure that you attain that goal. But at the end it's worth it. But I mean, somebody has got to, somebody has got to tell them that, you know, someone's got to tell them that there are sacrifices that end up having to be made in order to reach the goal and some people aren't aware yeah i know and, and thank you for sharing that because maybe some of our listeners listeners aren't aware that that's you know they need a sacrifice in order to be at the place that they want to be you know and and i was reading in a young man was able to get into nyu because i was reading that it's really hard for families to push their sons into this craft you know it's much more easier for a girl to enter the performing arts scene but it's much more difficult for a boy and as the director of Miami Arts Prep how have you been able to be the facilitator the the person that you know guides the family because not only are you guiding the child but as well as the parents it's like not maybe allowing them to let their child quit and on their dreams. So double standard that we deal with in the arts world, it's, you know, the, the, the man is expected to do, you know, a big, like they're supposed to be a doctor or they're supposed to be a lawyer and the girl can do the, the soft, you know, soft skills job. Mm -hmm. That's, I, I mean, I, I, I hate that. I hate that. That's what people think, you know, a, a man should be able to follow his dreams regardless of what his, dreams are and it's also you know it's the arts are seen as more of a feminine thing you know the men you know men are not supposed to dance men are not supposed to you know sing you know and it's like wh why not why not why can't they tap why can't they you know tell stories we need men to tell the stories too and I, I guess I there's that's going to take some time to build you know that that understanding of we're all human and we all have dreams and goals and we don't have to gender them, but it takes time. And yeah, you, you know, guiding, 
guiding the, the parents into thinking that this is a, a good idea is not always easy, but you know, you have to try. <laughs> you, there's there, the only thing you can do is, is, you know, look at it in a positive light and try and show them how much they, the kids grow through this opportunity. And even if they don't plan on doing it in the future, it's such a, it's such a helpful tool to get to know yourself better and to have a voice and to know how to use your voice to stand up for yourself, to stand up for others. It's just a great tool to have. Yeah. Like you said earlier in the, in, um, you know, the interview, an AI is not going to be able to generate, you know, how to use your voice, how to express these emotions and doing the, you know, the triple threat of like dancing, acting and singing. Like this is who has this gift in order to show it to the world. They need to have that opportunity to show it and then to develop it. And my hope is that getting, you know, having, giving more kids the opportunity or giving more kids a better path into that future will lead us to have more Latinos in the film industry and in the Broadway, you know, entertainment industry. And then that in turn means more actors, more producers, more writers, more everything, you know, because we all end up being the people who tell the stories but we also want to be the people who write the stories and we want to people, be the people who come up with the ideas and we want to be the people who invest in the stories, right? So the more we can flood you know, Hollywood and New York and all these places with Latinos that have amazing stories to tell, the more interesting and, and layered stories you'll get. And I'm just saying Latino because that's what I have access to, but I hope that it's more. I hope that it's everything. I hope it's Asian stories. Stories. I hope that, you know, it's, you know, Native American stories. I hope it's everything. <laughs> yes. And, you know, for here in Miami Arts Prep, can, can you share, I imagine you have a diverse class and how, how is it like just discovering these voices that are just hungry to just show it to the world and on stage and for our listeners who are interested in, you know, be into entering this scene or maybe they have children that want to be part of this how is it like helping them develop at such a young age and just making sure that their voices are being heard their their talent is being heard and not push it to the side because it's so easy to so make them afraid of, of their yeah talent. I think the main thing that they take away and that I, I or at least that I've seen them take away from my class is that they have permission to make choices and those choices are valid choices. And by choices, I mean character choices or um, little, you know, little quirks that they can add into a choreography because it, I've given them a little bit of space for creative freedom. So it's, it's in those moments that they realize that they can trust themselves and that they have good ideas and that they have something to bring to the table that is unique and their own and that those things are important. So, and, and I hope that that keeps building and growing and they keep trusting themselves even more and learn to, to listen to their instincts in a sense. And it's funny because it doesn't matter how young you are, 
You actually have better instincts as a child. You're less inhibited when you're a child because you, you haven't heard enough that no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't say that. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, because everybody's told that like they have to act a certain way. They have to fit in a certain box. And honestly, the younger they are, the less they feel that. So the more interesting and the more hilarious and the more, you know, fun these little moments can be because they're willing to put all of themselves in it because nobody's told them that they're not supposed to yet. Whereas like the older you get, the more difficult it is to pull those things out because you're working against what society has done, the walls that society has put up, especially the teens, you know, when, when, when you get into like the teen years in high school, that's hard. That's really hard. <laughs> so it's like trying to tear those walls back down and, and, and remind them that you can trust yourself. You can trust the instincts that you have and everything that's in your head is valid and true. Your truth is true. It is not less true than any other, anybody else's truth. Yes. So it's a, it's a powerful thing when you stop to really think about it, but nobody puts all of that onto a class like that. Nobody thinks that that's what they're going to get out of it. But at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about finding you. It's about using what you have that is uniquely different from everybody else and being able to walk confidently with that. And can you share maybe one of those exercise that, exercises that you do with your students that help them find themselves? And what maybe our, our, our listeners are like interested in, what are those exercises that maybe their children can experience? So I guess there's an exercise that you can do at home. Do I like to use scores from movies. It could be a movie you know or a movie you don't know. And I like to have everybody close their eyes and make up a story to the, to the music. So have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they can make up whatever story they want. As long as it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I tell them something has to change in the middle so that you're ending, you end somewhere different than where you began. And sometimes the stories are very simple and sometimes they're super intricate, but you get all of these amazing stories. And the only thing that you have to work with is a sort of a soundtrack, right? Um, so, and it's, it's funny what people will hear because there's, you know, stories that are completely different from one another. And yet they both make sense in that, in like using that soundtrack. So that's a fun one to do if you just have, you know, some music playing in the background. You just close your eyes and make up a story. And then the, you know, the next level to that would be performing it on your feet. So like just navigating the space and do like sort of living out that story on your feet. Wow. That I've, I've never acted in my life, but that sounds like so much fun. And I imagine if I were, a, you know, seven, eight years old, I would be thrilled to experience that and just develop, you know, my creativity and just, create the story of my character and act it out. That must be really, really great. And you seeing it, you know, seeing them, their wheels turn and creating that, must, that yes, that must be really, that's, really amazing. That's definitely the most fun is watching them all have these moments where they're, where they have an idea and they latch onto it and they're like, yeah, this is a good one. I can do this. And what are, you know, if you, if you can share with us, you know, the future projects that Miami Arts Prep is preparing for, maybe courses, um, summer school, 
where can where can we you know see more of this for our listeners who are interested so right now i have musical theater and vocal performance classes going on at mbsa studios and then i'm hoping that's that's going to be through june in the summer i'll have a summer camp called spotlight and that we did that was really fun and that was also coming from a creative side where it's like we make our own show we write our own show based off of the students that we have and and i also i'm looking to put together an audition workshop uh where anybody who's working on material or needs to find material can come and set themselves up and get themselves a nice you know audition kind of wrapped in a bow right so they have like their contrasting songs and you know if they don't have a headshot i i can i'm planning on either having somebody come in or giving them some recommendations looking at the resume the whole thing so that by the time you're done with that workshop you feel like you're ready to go and then next year i'm hoping to add acting classes to the roster as well so it's you have the the musical theater classes which is a little bit of everything you have the dance classes that are part of MBSA's program that has been around for 30 plus years and then you have the vocal performance classes and hopefully next year the acting classes starting in August that's the hope <laughs> yes well uh, you know i i always say this on a yes that i'm a really big believer of speaking things into existence and suki you've accomplished so many things so many things to be proud of so i truly believe that that'll happen in august and i'm just Wow, so floored and really like amazed from what you're doing like the audition workshop helping our young generation be prepared, be confident in their work and just go to that casting call and just you know, give the audition tape and just really break that mold and like be representative of who they are in the VAR community and thank you for doing what you do. It's it's really appreciated from you know for me and i imagine my listeners and thank you uh, thank you for having me on on a yes i mean i'm just glad i you know got to talk about it maybe some other people who didn't know about it here about it now i'm just happy to be doing what i'm doing i feel like this is something i've always wanted to do i'm just happy that i'm doing it yeah and you know we're coming to the end of this episode and i know recently that you announced that you are pregnant with yes. your first child and it has happens to be a baby girl and yes. ellas is focused on mujeres on mujeres latinas and can you share with me as a young mom and as an artist what do you want and see for the future for younger latinas especially for your daughter you, you come from a you know your mom is a ballerina Mm-hmm. and you yourself are an artist you know you're on Sesame Street you have your school you your family has accomplished so much and has opened the doors for so many what do you see hopefully that you can open and that your daughter can have once she is of age man uh <laughs> that's a good question i i mean my i can only hope that I I I would never want to push her into anything that she doesn't want to do. I would hope that she finds something that she's passionate about and that I'm aware enough to notice what those things are because I don't want to force her to do any it just because I'm doing something, 
you know, I, I don't want her to have to do it just because I'm doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to be aware and, and be attentive to what lights her up, you know, and what makes her excited. And if it's, if it's musical theater, great. If it's acting great, if it's tech, fantastic, you know, like anything, as long as it's, as long as it's something that makes her happy and excited, I want to be able to support that. And, and I definitely, you know, we live in a male dominated world and I, I want to make sure that, that she's doesn't ever feel like because she's a girl, she has to, she has to do something or cannot do something else. I just want to make sure that that's always something that she's aware of that, that we can, we, we don't have any barriers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it may be a little more difficult for a girl, but it's not impossible. And it doesn't mean she shouldn't try. That's definitely something that I would want to instill. Yeah. (laughs) No. And I think who you are as a person definitely wouldn't instill that those barriers in her life of becoming who she is and who she would want to be. And, and I always love to close a guest with a question of if you had the opportunity to time travel and like see yourself, whatever age you want to be and have the opportunity to talk to little Suki and knowing what you know now, what would you say to her? Wait, to myself or to my daughter? To yourself and maybe to your daughter. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do that too. I feel like time travel back or forward. <laughs> let, let's let's first do you. Let's time travel back to you. And then let's time travel forward. Okay. I think I would time travel back to myself before going to college and just tell myself it's going to be okay you're going to you're going to end up where you need to be because i was so distraught and i had no idea what i was doing and i was so just i didn't know where to go i didn't i i knew what i wanted to do but i didn't know how to get there so i would just tell myself you trust that your determination is all you need to get there and then if I had to time travel forward, I have no idea what I would say <laughs> to my future daughter. What would I say? I would probably say, I knew it. You're awesome. And I knew it. <laughs> I knew you would be. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And thank you, Suki. And where can our listeners follow you? Follow Miami Arts Prep. If they have any questions towards Miami Arts Prep, towards you, where can they reach you? So you can follow me on Instagram at suki.lopez. And you can follow Miami Arts Prep at Miami Arts Prep. But if you have questions, you can always email at info at miamiartsprep.com. So I hope to hear from you if you have any questions. I'm happy to answer them. Amazing. Thank you, Suki. Thank you for sharing your story, your journey, and the things that you're doing right now and opening the doors for our future generation of Latinas, of young of young men that want to enter into the performing arts scene. And, you know, I'm really excited, you know, what 2020 
you know, has for you. And I'm excited to see what you can accomplish even more. And I would love to have you back here on AES to like give our listeners an update of, you know, where you've been and thank you. Thank you for, you know, giving this space to us and sharing your journey with me. Thank you. Muchísimas gracias. gracias. And thank you for the pleasure. The pleasure was all mine, seriously. And, and thank you <laughs> to another episode of AES. You can follow AES at Instagram. That's AES the podcast at E-L-L-A-S the podcast. Or you can email me your story if you want to be featured here on AES at AES the podcast at gmail.com. That is E-L-L-A-S the podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me if you like at Brent underscore high. That's B-R-E-N underscore J-A-I. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can listen to a new episode in two weeks. And gracias. Bye-bye. Bye. This is perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Yay. <laughs>